This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Sports personalities Shelly Till and Dave O'Hara bring you non-sugar-coated stories of the famous, not-so-famous, and everyday hometown heroes who have overcome adversity and incredible challenges to achieve success. Too Much Grit to Quit. Discover the key to unlock the chains that keep you from achieving your dreams. Please subscribe, like, share, and download today. Hello and welcome in to Too Much Grit to Quit. I am Shelly Till alongside my friend and co-host Dave O'Hara. And we are thrilled to bring you another amazing week episode of Too Much Grit to Quit with my friend and colleague at the Big Ten Network. Lisa Byington will be joining us for segments two and three. And we're going to get into everything that she has done. I am just amazed at uh, how her career has blossomed, not just in women's basketball. That's where she started, but uh, she's doing everything now, Dave. And one of the things we're going to talk about is she's just coming off of fresh off of the FIFA women's world cup, where she had the opportunity to call some of those games. And obviously we all know the women USA women's team won that we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some basketball stuff and, Football season is just around the corner, and she's you're going to see her a lot this year, once again, on the Big Ten Network as play-by-play for football, and couldn't be more excited for her. She's a wonderful person, so stay tuned for more on Lisa Byington. Yeah, I can't wait, and Shelly, I thank you again for bringing this up because I have not had the pleasure, but I sure do enjoy your work, and I'm familiar with her work on, you know, as you mentioned, <laughs> Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, ESPN, uh, whatever sport it is, uh, she's covering it. Men's and women's basketball, football, uh, w- women's World Cup, as you mentioned. I mean, it just, it, it, it's it's a never-ending story for her, and that's just fantastic, the, the variety and talent level she has to be able to go across the board, and I'm just excited to talk to her for a lot of reasons, but you just hit something that I think all of us, a lot of us anyway, are very excited about. Look at the national TV numbers and people's conversations, Shelly, and someone near and dear to your heart, your son-in-law, George Kittle, all-pro tight end for the 49ers. I'll tell you what, when this uh, this, this program airs uh, on radio on Thursday night, the 25th of July, and then it gets up on uh, social media as a podcast over the weekend, Shelly, by the time our listeners get to hear this, training camps, can you believe this, will have already kicked I'm off, pun so intended. I'm so excited. Woo! I can't wait. I can smell the leather <laughs> in the air. Yes. Cut grass and it. leather. Yes. Cut oh, grass and leather. Wait. Love it. Love it. Love it. And you know, I know the, for a while uh, yeah. I was wondering if it's ever going to get here. But Golly. Yeah. Yeah. All season is upon us. And I'm a huge baseball guy, so for me to say this too, even I'm champing at the bit. So let, let's get the. And I love football, NFL, but like you, you know, we're both Iowa people. We got to talk about our Hawkeyes too, which, man, that, that they're breaking camp a week later. They're starting camp on uh, August 2nd on Friday. So the following Friday, uh, college football. And gee, Shelly, by the end of the month, uh, a couple of college games kick off on uh, the 24th of August, but then everybody uh, or the rest of the group. Foot meets the ball, Shelley, on August 31st on Saturday against some games early on the previous Thursday. But then the NFL, my Bears, take on the Packers on September 5th. So, Shelley, do you realize in six weeks everybody will be in full football mode game-wise? That's awesome. I know. I can't wait. I love, yeah. love, love, love football. Yes. And, uh, I, you know, grew up always watching the Hawkeyes. I remember I had my, my – 36 Larry Station jersey <laughs> that yes. I bought. And I used to put that sucker on. It was like five times too big for me. And I'd sit in front of the TV and just scream at it nonstop. So uh, I, I love it. And I'm so excited for the Hawks. I'm excited to watch uh, the 49ers. We had Trent Taylor on the show last week. Yep. And obviously we've had George. We've had Katie Sowers. Um, we've had Josh Cuthbert, who has been George's and CJ Beathard's and Trent Taylor's offseason strength coach. And um, soon we're going to end up having another one of their offseason coaches, Jeremy Holt, who 
is kind of the guy, the, the guru that they go to for speed and agility. And they've been working their tails off in Nashville, in that Nashville heat. And it was kind of fun just this past week. If you go on social media and just type in George Kittle's name, you're going to see it pop up all over the place because yep. ESPN, NFL, um, the, Sam, the 49ers, all kinds of media outlets have caught on. And there were some social media posts of one of their max out workouts. And if you want to get pumped up for the NFL season, you might want to go search for George and uh, some of the guys that were lifting with Josh Cuthbert, who has been on our show, as I mentioned. But yeah. there's one particular of George benching 365 pounds, <laughs> 365 Oof. pounds. And then, uh, you know, the excitement that happened after it was almost like he scored a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, it's another level of competition for guys like him and other. And I got to tell you something, and, and I told you this before off the air, and I want the listeners to hear this as well. And I don't want to say in all seriousness because it's still fun and games, but it's an audio version of what you just said about the video version. John Lynch, the general manager and a former great NFL player, and man, when you talk about Larry Station, it makes me smile too with the Hawkeyes and great linebacker back in his playing days for the Hawks. But John Lynch was a great player, a defensive back in his playing days, and he's the GM of the Niners and Kyle Shanahan, the head coach. But Shelley, I mentioned this to you. And I want the listeners to know um, on a national pro- radio program daily show uh, Jim Rome um, George has been on that show before and, and did a great job actually it was at the Super Bowl George talked about Skittles for Kittles I mentioned to you but John Lynch was on a couple of weeks ago and he said exactly what you just said Shelly about the video they were talking about George and some of the other great young talent in the NFL but the Niners specifically and John just said uh, to, to Rome John Lynch said well Jim let me tell you the reason George Kittle is who and what he is today is the way he trains during the season but primarily after the season and I almost wanted to uh, somehow get us get an audio grab of that and send it to Josh Cuthbert as you mentioned uh, because there's no secret why George Kittle is who and what he is as you know personally uh, he just works his darn tail off and he hits the weights and he just he's so driven and you hit the nail on the head earlier Shelly his competitiveness doesn't stop on the field as you know personally it goes to the weight room and everything that guy does it really does and, and you also have to give credit to Jeremy Holt uh, yep. as I mentioned he's from athlete performance um, he's going to be joining us on the on the podcast here probably sometime in August. We'll get him on the schedule. But uh, those guys just do an excellent job, and they are the beauty. And this is one of the reasons that George has elected to spend his off seasons in Nashville is because of the caliber of trainers that they have there. But also, you know, it's the old adage: you become like who you surround yourself yep. with the most. And so he is working out not only with C.J. Beathard and not only with Trent Taylor, but uh, several other NFL players as well. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Connor McDermott, who yep. is a, a lineman for the Bills. That dude is huge. I met him last week. I mean, you want to talk about another atmosphere. He's like 6'9", I think. I mean, just absolutely incredible specimen uh, of a human being. And um, all these guys are just, like I said, busting their tails together. And it's really kind of cool to see. You no, know, they're they're on all on different teams. Ross Dwelly was another guy that was working out with them for a bit, um, and they just push each other. Yeah, and it's not about who you play for, or you know that they're on different teams in the NFL. These guys are for each other. They are pushing each other, and like remember, people, it's not cool in Nashville from a temperature standpoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, another guy that works out with him, Rob Tunyon, he's a tight end for Green Bay, uh, you know, busting his tail. And he actually lives with uh, Claire and George in the offseason in Nashville. And so they've been able to really make some great connections with other guys across the league. And I think it's really neat to just see professional athletes, you know, at the highest level. And they are 
there for each other. They are, are lifting one another up and really just uh, pushing each other to be yeah. their best. Yeah, you know, and it's so impressive. That's why I wanted to repeat that to you, to the listeners, about hearing a general manager of a football NFL, a former great player himself, talk about George going into his third year as being a leader, you know, of guys who have been around for 10, 12 years. Now, some of those guys, as you mentioned, are younger, like C.J. Beathard, his quarterback at Iowa. But it is so impressive to see that it's not the some of the NFL and some of the major league sports, Shelly, when you and I were growing up as, as kids in the same era, a lot of these guys only trained about a month before their season but George Kittle, prime example number one, they lead from the front. They don't talk about it. They do it. And like you said, I, I, I love it just watching it, knowing that, man, if these guys are that excited, Shelly, this early in the year when it's still a hot summer months, imagine how the rest of us are just ready to rock and roll once the foot meets the ball in September. Yeah, and that's I know a lot of these guys are going out to their – a lot of these guys are heading, heading out, excuse me, uh, to their respective places. I know mm-hmm. uh, George has taken off. I think, to, I think, uh, as we speak, he's probably heading back to San Francisco. Um, but they're going to, you know, they're in lockdown for the next six weeks for preseason training. Um, yep. but you know, when you work that hard in the off season, you can't wait to get back and just put it to, That's right. put it to practice, get out there on the, on the practice field with your teammates and see how much everyone has improved. And we heard that from Trent Taylor, in our last podcast yeah. you know he's locked himself basically isolated himself in san jose for the summer yep. to work on the things that he needs to work on namely getting healthy so that he can put his best foot forward on the turf for the niners well the relatable thing for the rest of us in, in the world shelly the football fan is academically or athletically it's test day you know that they, they you've been you've been practicing that's why you go to practice when you play basketball or football and then it's game day and it's the same thing when you're a student and you study and study and it's to take a test or write that big paper and you're exactly right man game day is their test day and like you said, you work that hard for nine months out of the year or eight months, and then that three-and-a-half, four-month season, if you make the playoffs, uh, it's just fantastic. So, hey, we got a lot to talk about upcoming. A good friend of Shelly's, uh, and I just am so excited to meet her over the phone, a fan of her work on all the things that she does. Lisa Byington uh, is a, a co-worker and a, and a friend of Shelly Till here, my friend and co-host. I'm Dave O'Hara, too much great to quit. And Lisa also works besides the Big Ten Network with football and men's and women's basketball, and most recently with Fox Sports, the uh, women's World Cup championship team. They took France by storm and won that. But Lisa's got a great story. And, and Shelly, all the things you've told me off the air, I cannot wait to bring it on the air and the podcast and have our listeners uh, get a chance to get to know Lisa Byington upcoming very soon. Yeah, she's a wonderful person. Uh, you couldn't ask for a better human being. And just to have someone in this business of broadcasting who, you know, you can call up at any time and say, hey, or, you know, as I'm sitting next to her calling a game and yep. who is willing to give you honest feedback and is, is, just so genuine and uplifting and encouraging and you know she's had people like that for her in her life that have helped her get to where she is and she is that and more for for people like me and for people who are just now wanting to get into this broadcasting business because of her and what I love the most about Lisa is she is changing the narrative for sports broadcasting for women she is now making it the norm that when you turn that tv on on Saturday and you have that Big Ten football game on, and you might not be paying attention, but you're going to hear a woman's voice calling that game, and that's going to be Lisa Byington. And I love that little girls around uh, the country can turn that on and hear that, and that's going to become their new normal. Great stuff. So Lisa Byington joins Shelly Till. I'm Dave O'Hara. Too Much Grit to Quit. Back with that in just a few moments. Welcome back to Too Much Grit to Quit. I'm Shelly Till alongside my co-host Dave O'Hara. And as we mentioned in the open, one of my favorite people in the entire world is joining us today. Lisa Byington is a Michigan native, 
Northwestern graduate where she played women's basketball. Uh, you've seen her across your TV calling games play-by-play -play on Fox Sports on the Big Ten Network. She's called women's basketball, men's basketball, football. She does the WNBA, softball, soccer. I'm sure I'm missing some sports that are in, that are in there that you can tell us about, Lisa. And you recently saw her on Fox where she called the FIFA Women's World Cup. And more importantly to me, my very good friend, Lisa Byington. Welcome to Too Much Grit to Quit. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Shelly. You can insert maybe field hockey and gymnastics from, from way back. <laughs> there you in, go. In, See, in, I knew I missed them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm happy to be here. And it's actually one of my uh, favorite podcasts slash radio show titles. Um, I'm assuming it was inspired by a, by a certain song back in the 90s that went like triple platinum. So I hope I hope that you guys can only have um, similar success with this show. So thanks for having me. Well, we will Thank now you. with you being on, Lisa, of course. Thank you. Yes. Right. You know, MC Hammer said the same thing to me. I, you know, if you come on a concert and stuff, we could have success, but I turned him down. Can I be very honest with you? Shelly's going to wear the parachute pants. I am not. So uh, just, just so you know. Well, and if she wears the parachute pants, she's got to do the MC Hammer dance, of course. Shelly's <laughs> I, 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 got the moves. And so That's I all her. That's all her. And I, we forgot to tell you this part, but we don't have the budget to actually play the MC Hammer song. So every guest we have come on, they just sing it for us. Oh, so. okay. Well, well maybe, in our, maybe in our commercial break or later <laughs> when we conveniently run out of time. There you go. There you go. No, I, I, I wouldn't make you do that, but I might make you play your favorite song of all time or sing your favorite ah, song of shiny, all time that would be one shiny moment this is correct mm. Billy knows that well yes, yes. In, in fact uh you know the minnesota women's basketball used to play it during shoot around and i, I think you recorded me a couple i times did i do have i still have that video busting out in a one shining moment song <laughs> you and millions of others love that song i would have to put myself in that camp it is now my ringtone for when either my son or daughter call me or text me. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I, I know, that. right? It used to be my ringtone for everyone, and then I had to take it off. Because <laughs> you, you never answered the phone. That's you right. Just like, I just let it play. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Well, you know, we could do this all day, but um, I think the listeners probably want to want to hear you talk and less of us. So um, let's just kind of jump in here, Lisa. I just kind of wanted to go back to your Michigan upbringing and just kind of give us a little bit of a taste of what sparked your interest in basketball and in sports in general. Well, my, my two parents uh, were, were very supportive of me. And, and the thing that I loved about them is I grew up playing everything and, and they were never the parents that wanted me to specialize in one thing. Um, they let me try dance to gymnastics, to tennis, to swimming, to basketball, to soccer, to softball, you name it. And so that actually sparked my curiosity about a little bit of everything. And it's one of the reasons actually now today as an adult, as a, as a broadcaster now that, that I'm, I'm interested in doing a lot of different sports. We're joking about the sports that I've done, but I enjoy the fact that I have a variety in my life and I haven't just specialized in one thing or the other. And I really kind of attribute that to going back as a little kid and, and growing up and, and trying something new and, and playing about everything. Um, my parents always told me uh, the value of, of hard work and setting goals and dreaming as a little kid. I mean, I even had, you know, my parents were trying to downsize their house. And so I've gone through my bedroom and found all these different, you know, Lisa childhood things. And one of the things I found was actually a little piece of paper where I had written down goals of what I wanted to accomplish, none of which actually came to fruition. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was just, it was really neat for me to see that as a, as a little kid, 
um, you know, I had set out kind of a blueprint of, of things that I wanted to try to accomplish. And, and, and at very young age, um, that was kind of instilled in me about you work hard, you make a plan and, and good things will happen to you. And Lisa, also, I got to believe just in talking to you off the air and now on the air for a little bit, and most athletes that Shelly and I talk to, and you find that besides being a kid and trying to fill time and finding interest, I got to believe you, you appear to me to be very competitive anyway. And so I'm sure that sparked the juices as well, right? Oh, for sure. I had an older sister who's two years older than me. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it was just the other day where my parents were actually telling one of my friends a story about how my sister and I were playing basketball in the driveway, and she was way better than I was, and I was always I would always lose to her. And then the second you lose to someone, what do you want to do? Well, you want to you know mm-hmm. throw the ball back at them, and you say check up, we're playing again. And, and my sister didn't want to play me again. She's <laughs> like, I'm done with you. I've already beaten you. And so I would throw temper tantrums. I did not handle losing very well. And I can specifically remember one day where my mom had a big, like, kind of, you know, lunch with the daughters they planned at one of our favorite places to go to. Then we were going to go, like, basketball shoe shopping. And because I was pouting, because I had lost my sister playing basketball, I ruined the whole day for all of us. And we didn't get to do anything. And instead, I was grounded and had to sit in my bedroom and think about it. So, um, yes, I was competitive. Just a and bit. yes, at an early age, I had to learn how to handle that competitiveness in a very positive way. Well, <laughs> just, a just a way. bit, yes. That's a cautionary tale. I, you can be wound a little tight, but no, that's, and then you can tell, you know, at a younger age like that. And it's so interesting. And that's the, the theme, obviously, as you touched upon in the beginning of the show is too much grit to quit. So you didn't just walk away and say, okay, my sister's better than me. She's older than me. I'm going to let that go. You did, like all the other successful people we've spoken to over time, you said, no, I'm going to take this and use it as fuel. And that always makes me smile because you can always tell when someone's backing down or someone's, like you said, throwing the ball back going, I got next. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, it's all, it also takes it goes back to my parents again. And, and they had to kind of monitor that as well to yeah. encourage, you know, being competitive. But then when it got to be too much, as, as you guys know, um, it, it starts with the head coaches in the household. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Roger <laughs> and, Federer. And yeah. You know, right? yeah. The standard early. You know, and Roger Federer, you mentioned tennis earlier. I'm a big uh, Fed fan. Same thing. You remember in his young professional career, he was losing matches because you're right. You got to temper that or, you know, moderate it because then it can take you out of your games. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Lisa, I'm, I'm interested or I'm curious then it, knowing that and that competitiveness and that fire and you, you mentioned you had to learn t- how to tame that. But I, did you carry that into college? Did it take a while or did you have that figured out or kind of what what did Lisa Byington look like in, in that in terms of uh, when you were a Northwestern Wildcat? Yeah, well, I think I had a different experience in college. Uh, You know, I played two sports, so I was recruited to play basketball for four years. And then around my junior year, I decided to walk onto the soccer team. So really junior, senior year is when I crossed over and played both sports and then also played um, soccer my graduate school years. So um, I tell people actually that the best time of my life in college was that period of time when I was actually playing two sports because – when I, when I came as a freshman and a sophomore, again, I, I started specializing as a basketball player, and I just hadn't been raised that way. And so it was, it was strange to just focus on one thing. If, uh, I'm sure people are familiar with, with the commitment that Division One athletes have to, have to make, but it really is kind of like a full-time job. It feels like that just in terms of the time commitment the stress level, the travel, everything that you have to do to, to put into it. And I just wasn't used to that. So actually adding another sport made me feel more well-rounded. And it just, I was happier as a person, as a student athlete in that way. But, you know, one of the biggest hardships that I had to overcome 
in, in college was something that I was not used to. And the fact that I was not the best player on the basketball team. And when you get to the division one level, you have 15 players on a women's basketball team and all of them were their, were their best players on their respective high school teams. And so I grew up always being the best player and that's what I was accustomed to. And so it, it really took um, sort of a mind shift and, and an acceptance and, and something that I really wasn't able to to come to grips with and wasn't really able to handle as well as I wanted to until frankly, honestly, like the junior and senior year, uh, my freshman and sophomore years, it was, those were hard years. I even thought about transferring at some point. Um, but when you're used to something, when you're used to being the best and then you have to adjust to a new role, that's not always easy for a 17 or 18 year old kid. If you just tuned in, this is Too Much Grit to Quit. She is Shelly Till, my friend and co-host. I am Dave O'Hara. We are pleased to have now broadcaster extraordinaire Lisa Byington. As Shelly had mentioned in the introduction, that Lisa covers uh, all sports. Uh, if it's got a ball and a stick or a ball, uh, football, basketball, Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, and most recently soccer, the Women's World Cup. Lisa, former uh, collegiate athlete. And Lisa, I got to ask you as we transition into another topic, but I got to ask, did your sister also play Division One college sports? Or did she was she satisfied with just kicking your tail on the part and the drive? Way at home and then moving on. She was a professional Lisa basketball beater. Uh, she, you know, she actually was an All-American softball player okay. at, uh, at the Division Three level at Hope College, and uh, she was a center fielder and she was the leadoff hitter. And I believe still some of her records uh, are, are still up there at Hope College. So she was a really talented athlete and just was. Um, felt like she probably could have walked on to a few division one programs but decided that was not the route that she wanted to go she liked the, the small school atmosphere and yeah so she became an all-american over there in holland michigan wow so i can rest easy and the listeners can now because your lisa byington's carnage was not the only one your older sister left behind in the athletic world then. <laughs> that's right she, she went through the whole state of the midwest and did the same uh, thing i can rest yeah. easy i can rest easy now thank you very funny. Hey, Lisa, you know, obviously, thanks to the beauty of Title IX, you and I and other women like us were able to play collegiate sports at the highest level. But at that time, there weren't a lot of female broadcasters. I mean, thankfully to you, you are a, a ceiling breaker, a glass ceiling breaker in this industry. And so many people have looked up to you um, and the things that you've done being one of the first females to, to call f college football. And, and now, thanks to you that's becoming a norm and and uh you're going to be doing that a lot more this season and you've made that crossover into men's sports but when you i'm curious to know when you were growing up or when you were in college and you chose to go into broadcasting where did that come from and who did you look to that maybe you wanted to emulate yeah that's a good question so i always tell people i was i was not the person when i when i grew up watching sports that always knew that they wanted to be a broadcaster. So it's not like I was seven years old and watching a game and thinking, um, you know, I want to be this particular broadcaster or I want to be a play-by-play -play because I actually watched the game and I really felt like I could be the player on the court, like, you know? Yeah. And so I was an athlete watching other athletes and I wanted to be those athletes, not the broadcasters. So I thought that too and when I used to watch gymnastics and then uh -huh. I grew to be six feet tall. So <laughs> that ended that dream. You Just sidebar. Swimmer, maybe. A swimmer. <laughs> I could have. You know, and so it, I really got into maybe uh, admiring broadcasters much later in my career than, than most people would. And 
you know, I started maybe noticing more people, more females in broadcasting when I was in college, maybe sophomore, junior year, when I started to really think about going into broadcasting as a career. You know, I, I noticed, I just remember noticing Robin Roberts and Susie Colbert, uh, Susie in particular, because she was hosting like SportsCenter sometimes and, and doing some football shows. Robin Roberts, for the obvious reasons that she was a former athlete, an African-American woman who was one of the first, you know, female SportsCenter anchors and, and just, you know, just so good at whatever she did in, in whatever medium or whatever environment that she was put in she just excelled and so those were the first two people that I really just noticed as broadcasters and then of course as I start getting into the business and 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 start specializing or start understanding that there are different roles there's an anchor there's you know you can be a host you can be a reporter you can be a play-by-play you can be an analyst then I started watching you know the people who do my job Um, I love the Michelle Tafoyas on on sideline uh, you know, obviously the Beth Moens and, and, and of course, a lot of people talk about Beth, but people forget that Pam Ward was before Beth Moens and the fact that that Pam had to take a, a lot more criticism um, probably before Beth did. And she had to pave the way um, before a, a lot of us uh, female broadcasters in, in the sport of college football have, have kind of tried to pave our own roads now for for us and for others to come following us and lisa in that um initially that i looked up to and in that vein lisa you and i talked off the air and that pam ward was one of the names i mentioned to you and i kind of aged myself and shelly and i talked about this off the air too and you know gail gardner um you know before being the first uh female sports center back in the early 80s but yeah pam ward was one of the names i mentioned to you and now you just mentioned it on beth mowens and i was just always taken aback and shelly you know can corroborate this with me here in iowa you know when beth was doing a lot of games, Iowa football games on ESPN2 and Pam Ward before that, and Chris Spielman, the former uh, Ohio State great linebacker and also NFL linebacker, was her broadcast partner, and I was always taken aback, and Shelly can attest to this too, there were a lot of Iowa fans, football fans, particularly male, in the beginning, and I just couldn't understand why they were so bent out of shape that a woman was calling a football game. I mean... I, I just I wanted to have somebody who was knowledgeable and talk about the game, and she covered all those bases. So do you find that to be – I know that's lessened over the years now that it's become more and more commonplace with yourself and others, but especially as we both talked about uh, Pam Ward and then Beth Mullins, I'm just always taken aback at how bent out of shape people get with that. Well, I think as each woman, uh, as more and more women are part of that role in terms of just crossing over into quote unquote uh, men's sports world, right. I think it becomes less and less. It's it still is um, it's still there. It still exists. And and my goal, as I've told people, is that I hope to become background noise one day mm-hmm. when I call a football game. And and what I mean by that is think of how many times you guys are, are at your house and, and you have a sporting event on and maybe you're doing something else. Like no one just sits there and watches the sporting event anymore, right? They've got like three screens on or they're mm-hmm. doing something, they're making dinner or, you know, something. But they have they have a sporting event on in the background. And if you hear a, a male voice, you don't think twice about it. If you hear a female voice on a football game, I don't care who you are, me included, you'll probably stop to listen because you'll try to figure out who that is because mm-hmm. it's just not uh, its not the norm right now. I mean, let's be honest about that. And mm-hmm. so that's my goal is, to, is that one day, um, maybe it's me, maybe it's another female in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, but we can turn on a football game and we can hear a female play-by-play doing a football game, whether it's at the college football level or the NFL, and it is that background noise. Quick that, tidbit that, you know, to yeah. Yeah, that you don't look up twice from from whatever you're doing and think, I wonder who that is. You are so on the money, quick tidbit. I spent the last couple summers finishing uh, a project out in the Bay Area, and Beth called, Beth Mullins called the Raiders uh, preseason for the last couple years. And you are so on the money. By the fourth game, I didn't even realize. Oh, that's a female voice. It was just you know she did, had done game one and game two, and I know know of and have worked around JT the Brick, who's a, a national sports talk guy, and he does the sideline reporting. And you know initially it was oh there's a male who's a sideline reporter and a female who's in the booth, but. You 
You are so right. It almost became commonplace. I got used to Beth calling all four of the games, and I didn't even think about it by game four. Yeah, and maybe it'll happen. It won't happen anytime soon. Right. I'm not naive to that fact. Right. But maybe it's, it's, like I said, 10 years down the road or 15 years down the road. Um, you know, when I was calling the World Cup and I was working alongside another female play-by-play, Jen Hildreth, she's got two daughters, and uh, they came to visit her while she was working the World Cup. And, and I literally told her, I said, I think it is so neat that your two daughters will watch mom work on TV, um, calling a major sporting event, and they think that's the norm. And mm, so yes. whether we realize it or not, the, you know, the Pam Wards, the Beth Moens, the, the many, 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 and there's more out there now um, of female play-by-plays out there. You know, we, um, with, you know, it, it, you start to recognize that we're a part of a unique generation that's setting the tone for the younger generation, that it, it eventually will become the norm. And that's, that's kind of, it's kind of uh, awesome to think that we have a part of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was going, Lisa, when I was I said to you about, um, you know, when you were thinking about becoming a broadcaster, because we didn't have really a lot of them to look up to. So I'm glad that you pulled out the names that you had. And, and in one of our earlier podcasts, we had um, Katie Sowers, who is a uh, head coach or not a head coach, a coach uh, for the San Francisco 49ers football team, female uh-huh. coach, yeah. full time, just a second full time coach in the NFL. And so we were talking to her. I mean, you want to talk about breaking norms and challenges and overcoming, you know, hecklers and trolls and, and opinionated people. She's seen and heard it all. Um, and so I'm curious to know, you know, now that you've you've broken into this and you're, you are one of the people that is changing the story for the younger generations. What are some specific challenges that you've encountered in relation to that? Uh, you know, I think we've kind of, you know, already covered it is that people don't judge you based on your knowledge or your talent level or how hard you work. They, they judge you by what your voice sounds like. Uh, you know, they, they hear a woman on a men's sport and, and they think that they automatically don't know what they're talking about. And so I think it's just that stereotype that you have to, to battle and to, to fight against um, and, and possibly just ignore. And that's a way to, to battle and to fight against something like that. Uh, but I think that's the biggest thing is, is just a, a, a stereotype of what a, a female is calling a men's sporting event. You Did know, you ever have a time where you just not even necessarily just with, with men's sports, but just in your travels and your journey to where you are now? Did you ever have a time where you you yourself, you doubted yourself or wondered, is this ever going to work? Yeah, I, I think that when when I started out in local news, I was in local news for 12 years before I got at the, the regional and national network level. And I, I remember, um, you know, my, my second TV job was at the CBS affiliate in Lansing, Michigan. And you know, um, my first and second TV jobs, what you had to do is you had to do a little bit of everything and you had to pick up a camera and put it on your shoulder and go shoot highlights and edit your own stuff and write your own scripts. And then you ran into the bathroom and you're five minutes away from going on the air and you're doing your hair and your makeup yourself. And then you sprint out to, to the set and you do a show and you've already been working 12 hours because you had to go to that, that game on Saturday afternoon that started at like noon, but you're working the, you know, 11 mm-hmm. p.m. newscast. And then not only once you're done anchoring the 11 p.m. newscast, I have to stay and you got to because we had kind of an antiquated system. So I had to archive all the tapes that we showed that day. And so I'm not leaving the office. I remember walking out in the parking lot in Lansing, Michigan, and it's like 1 a.m. And I remember thinking, like, is all this hard work worth it? You know, here I am at 1 a.m. And, and how many people really watch that sports cast in, in Lansing, Michigan? And, yeah, I, I really am doing what I love to do. 
but is it worth it? Like, where is this road kind of leading me? And so, um, so I had questions about that awfully young in my, my younger professional years. Um, but I just always had to kind of lean on the fact that I was doing something I was passionate about and that I had to believe that eventually hard work pays off and you got to jump at the right opportunity. And you have to expect that sometimes that opportunity doesn't come when you expect it, but you gotta, you gotta grab hold of it when it does and make the most of it. This is too much grit to quit. I'm Dave O'Hara. I'm my friend and co-host Shelly Till, and we have Lisa Byington joining us today. And last couple minutes of this uh, first segment with Lisa, but second segment of the program. And uh, Lisa, you know, as we talked about in your introduction, covering all the sports and working for Fox Sports, uh, Fox Sports One, ESPN. A twofold question here as we wrap up this segment in the next couple minutes. Uh, I got to ask, because <laughs> I've had to do this when you, when you work for other stations, radio and otherwise. Have you ever been on Fox and almost said ESPN? Or have you I've been on ESPN and almost said Fox or Big Ten Network and almost said another network? Or have you always been able to keep that pretty much together? Uh, that's funny that you asked that. Um, actually, it's just <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> luckily, we, luckily, we were uh, luckily we were taping it. I, I also do the WNBA with this mm-hmm. guy, and literally my first game back from the World Cup. Uh, you know, my mind is just I'm trying to get plugged into everything, and, and so we were taping our open, and I, I talked about the defending Big Ten champions instead of, <laughs> <laughs> instead of the defending Whoops. WNBA Whoops. champions. And so. Yeah, so that so I uh, do a lot of Big Ten, and that's certainly well. You were in Chicago. Yeah, well, you, and you and you uttered those famous words. We'll fix it in post, right? So then you were yeah, fine. Exactly. But exactly, we had to, no because we had to do the whole thing again. Anyhow. Well, the reason I ask, obviously, I had personal. Yeah, I've had personal experience with that. But then the other part of that question is, besides multiple networks that you work with, and in multiple sports, and I just think of male, female, or whomever. Bob Costas, besides yourself, and you know, Bob did the Olympics. Bob did football. Bob did baseball. All these different sports. You've got to be so adroit and knowledge of and, and into and contacts, connections, uh, not just be able to speak intelligently, but clearly and then also have the relationships to have the insights. Um, what is just, I'm just curious on something like the World Cup, what was your lead in prep for something like that? Obviously, you knew long ago that you were going to be doing that, but I got to believe that's that's a mountain of prep before you even get to the, the event. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And, and unlike a lot of the other broadcasters who are part of Fox's coverage, um, a lot of them don't do college football right. and men's and women's basketball and then softball leading right into the World Cup. And so I had to balance all of that and knowing that this, you know, this big event is looming coming up on the horizon. So, um, you know, I just did a I, I've learned to compartmentalize compartmentalized so like you mm-hmm. know my january through march is, is basketball my, my march through <laughs> beginning of may that's softball and then uh and then i really hit it hard the world cup prep um right after softball season and and each day uh you know i, I to give you a little background on me i was always the 11th hour paper writer mm-hmm. in college and i did my best writing you know like hours before the paper is due so the fact that i had all this time and in months and then weeks you know to prep for the world cup i just needed a schedule for myself so i literally i hopped on my my calendar my iphone calendar and i and i typed out not today is germany day and tomorrow's (laughs) gonna be italy day and and this is what i and and it it really helped and so i broke it down like kind of the first week i i basically i think i had like nine or ten countries i had to know we ended up doing maybe 11 or 12 games within a, a span of 17 or 18 days so it was a lot of information but you just had to really learn how to compartmentalize and um and i wanted to get all of my broadcast boards done meaning just the basic info uh, you know, players, who they are, um, how many times they've played in the World Cup, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Well, when and, you do a world sport yeah. like that, the pronunciation, you know, America, that's one thing when you're doing Big Ten football or basketball and most of the common names. But when you're talking eight, eight other countries, nine other countries, any name that sticks out that you really had to practice or that really got you? Foodoo Tootie Lou. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> Foodoo Tootie Lou. 
Yeah. Um, wow. So I had uh, so I had South Africa and China <laughs> playing each other. So so imagine that. So I would wow. have uh, Wong Shuang, Patty to Wong Shang Shang, and Tuli <laughs> Lu intercepted the pass. And so all of those players were wow. uh, starters, you know, for for China and South Africa. And so that was definitely a challenge. But I, I learned the flashcard system. I invented that for myself, <laughs> where I would have a, a a number on the front of the flashcard and then I would have a name on the back and I would just sit there and study and, and go over names and pronunciations. And luckily we had a, a research department that helped us with pronunciations. And luckily we also had people who speak different languages and all that kind of stuff that, that could help. Um, so we got through it. Yeah. Wow. Well, fascinating. And let's run to a quick break and then uh, we'll be back with more too much grit to quit. Shelly till I'm Dave O'Hara. We're joined by Lisa Byington and Shelly, you were right off the air. We talked about it. We said, well, what does Lisa do with her free time? Shelly, the answer, she doesn't have any. No, she doesn't. She's just like, she's everywhere. I think there's I two ha- of you. I hop on podcasts. That's what I do on my podcast. Yeah, there, there you go. go. We're flattered, though. So, hey, back. Graciously <laughs> hops on our podcast. Well, I'll Thank tell you. you. Yes. Well, hey, back with more Too Much Grit to Quit. Shelly Till, Dave O'Hara, Lisa Byington, back with more in just a few moments. Welcome back to Too Much Grit to Quit. I'm Shelly Till with Dave O'Hara and our guest, Lisa Byington, broadcast extraordinaire, as I like to call her. Uh, my friend and and cohort at the Big Ten Network. Uh, you'll see her on Fox Sports. You've seen her in every sport you can you can think imaginable. I'm I'm just waiting for you to start calling cornhole. I don't oh, has that been on your resume yet? <laughs> no. And, but you know what's funny about that is when I, I tuned into ESPN on July fourth, mm-hmm. and of course they have the famous Nathan's hot dog eating contest, and then immediately following that they had a cornhole competition like complete with a sideline reporter and i'm thinking like what what is this world coming to where we go back to back with, <laughs> with hot dog eating in a cornhole competition and but i guess that's america for you i think we'll have to put a poll out though do you call it cornhole or bags i've called it both but, but I, I think i call it bags more than cornhole yeah. I think that's the uh, the upper Midwest thing. I'm a bags person as well. Same here. Yeah. But boy, if you go down south, you will get annihilated. I just got back from Nashville, and this was like a major debate we had going on over cornhole versus bags. But since a, a national broadcast called it a cornhole competition, maybe we have to go that route. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I don't like to conform. <laughs> hey, Lisa. Before we went to the break, we were talking. Uh, we we touched on your calling of the FIFA Women's World Cup. And obviously, we've been mentioning the numerous plethora of sports that you have in your arsenal. I'm curious to know, because I know your your motto has always been, you know, never say no, try everything at least once. And you've certainly done that. But is there a, a specialization in your future? Are you looking to continue this variety or is would you like to narrow it down to maybe one, two or a couple sports and, and build your the rest of your career around that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think for right now, I, I do enjoy the variety. And I, and I always think, well, maybe if I just did football and basketball, I'd be happy. Uh, but then I get, you know, as soon as I say that, I do the World Cup and then I do uh, softball. And, and I, I so enjoy doing those sports when they come that um, I still fall back on the answer that, that I like the variety. Now, you know, ask me in, in five years if I mm-hmm. want to travel as much as I do when I get older. And, <laughs> and, and it's True. a lot easier, you know, like let's say you do – like uh, just one team and you become a, a, a broadcaster for one team in the NBA or about whatever it would be, uh, the prep becomes a little bit easier. The travel becomes a little bit easier. And so maybe down the road that would become more appealing. Um, but again, as we have said at the, at the beginning, I'm, I'm someone that likes the variety and I've always mm-hmm. been drawn to that. 
Maybe there a, would, would peak a little bit more on the professional side. But as right. of right now, I always kind of view myself as a, as a college sports person. There's something about that level that I just enjoy, no matter what sport I'm doing. Uh, I don't mind doing professional sports, but if, if you gave me a choice, I probably would lean more towards the college side still. That's interesting because mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, the World Cup is the pinnacle of the soccer world. But I'm curious to know if you have a pinnacle event that you have your eyes set on that you would if you were given the opportunity to call one of the major championships what would your what would it be for you you know I, I think I don't think I'd be any different than anybody else in saying that that any of, of the major sporting events would just be awesome whether it be a Super Bowl or a Final Four or the Masters or you know any of that yeah. um, at any capacity you know the the TV side or, or the radio side so um, would, would those be like the ultimate goal well yes of course they they would be but who wouldn't those goals be for mm-hmm. anyone, right you know um so i just you know i'm kind of boring in that answer a lot of people like if you ask lisa at 25 years old uh you know what do you want to do in five to ten years and i would have a specific plan for you this is what i want to be this is this is where i want to work this is what i want to do this is how much money i want to make and and now that that you ask lisa and <clears throat> you know whatever age i am now um, <laughs> um you know i just I'm, I'm actually and this is not to skirt the question at all i'm just i'm so um I'm so deeply entrenched in what I'm doing now because I've gotten so many great opportunities from working mm-hmm. the, the men's NCAA tournament as a sideline reporter to, as you mentioned, the World Cup, that I'm just, I just love what I'm doing right now that I haven't really had time and haven't really had a desire to project five, ten years down the line because I've just been so focused at the opportunities that have come my way, especially the last two or three years. Lisa, I want to let everybody know, again, they're listening to Too Much Great to Quit. She's Lisa Byington. I'm Dave O'Hara, joined by my friend and co-host Shelly Till. And Lisa, you know, you talked earlier about when you were an athlete back in your athletic days, and Shelly's got a, a doozy of a closer question. I'm just going to tip you off in about 15 minutes or so. You're going to, you better have your thinking cap on because Shelly's going <laughs> to knock you out with the closer. Oh, yeah. But, but, Uh-oh. but I will ask you this. Is there any, any time that you've sat back and again, being Too Much Great to Quit, where you've looked at an athlete or your own personal story and said, right there, that's something where that person showed me something. I mean, you see it all the time uh, from covering the WNBA to, as you mentioned, men's basketball, football, whatever it is. And I, I joked with you about, was there any difficult name you had to pronunciate that stuck out and you gave me about 10 and nailed them all, by the way. But is there any story of a grit story like that, either with yourself that you can relate to and go, hey, that was me or, you know, that really just kind of knocked your socks off? Yeah, you know, I think it's it wasn't one thing. It's a series of, of times where I've been told no. And, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's, um, you know, I was trying to get into Medill, the journalism school at Northwestern. And I when I first tried to get in, I didn't have. I didn't have the highest GPA, and um, and so I couldn't get in. So they denied me at first. And and here's a here's a kid who really in high school had a three nine GPA. And so when I say that I struggled in college during my freshman and sophomore year, I meant not only athletically but also just for my standards academically. And so that was something. Hearing the no on the academic side for the first time was something new and different. Finding my first job, I had a news tape and I was applying for sports jobs and I got all kinds of no's. I mean, there's a poor sports director in Yakima, Washington, who I never left alone. And and someone, (laughs) I think I was applying in Knoxville, Tennessee and the poor sports director, I would call him every day looking for a job. And finally he just told me, I appreciate your persistence, but you're not good enough right now to work in this market. Wow. And so it's just hearing all those different no's and, Mm-hmm. I mentioned the, the sports director, the news director in Yakima, Washington, and, and he had basically told me, you know, you have a news tape applying for a sports job. I'm not really certain that you're cut out for sports. So it's hearing all of those things and wow. kind of, you know, building up and, and, and 
kind of believing yourself internally that you can't listen to those people and, and you have to believe that you are good enough. And, and to get to that point, are there things that I have to change? Or is there, do I have to take a step back and realize that maybe I am applying for things that are over my head right now? And, <laughs> and so maybe I take a step back and go for more of the grunt job and the glory job and then build my way up to the job that I want, to the dream job that you want. Yeah. So it, it wasn't one thing. It, I think it was a series of no's that have kind of motivated me to get to the point that I'm at right now. Gee, Shelley, does and it I, sound like that news director in Yakima, Washington, was became uh, Lisa's older sister in the driveway again, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. she prepared you well. But this, time, but this time I was much more well-prepared <laughs> to handle it. And I didn't go home and pout. And, so, and so, so, you, so you got to go basketball sh- sh- shoe shopping with this guy then, is what you're telling me then, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Funny. Well, I, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Lisa, because it, and I can vouch for this being in the broadcasting business uh, along with you. I don't think that that ever changes. Um, and I think I think if people are getting into this business and they I was laughing when you were talking about your earlier years, because everybody thinks TV is so glamorous. And it's really not. <laughs> it's great when the lights come on and the hair and the makeup are done and we're in the event. And that's uh, that's awesome. But everything that goes on behind the scenes and what you had to do to get to where you are. And even now in this industry, I, you know, see it, hear it myself. I see my, my colleagues hearing it and whether it's social media or whether it's someone who is in a position to, to help you launch your career or to get to that next level, there's always that underlying tone of you're not good enough or this person's better. And so you can, that whole comparison is the thief of joy um, still exists no matter what level you're at, because we're all uh, trying to be better. And so I'm just curious from your perspective, how you, I, I know you just talked about, you know, you have to be able to, to kind of flush some of that and, and to believe in yourself, but it also takes support and people believing in you. And, and that's why I am so, you know, thankful for people like you that work at the big 10 network that, are supportive of me and encouraging of me. And, and we all, I think, have a great team and we work very well together. But what I'm getting to is what is some of the, it, it takes feedback and it takes support. So I'd just like to know throughout your career, Lisa, what's some of the best feedback you've ever received from someone else that's helped you in your career? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think it's I think it's the most honest feedback. I think it's the stuff that you don't want to hear. And and maybe that's even from I mean, I had some awful haircuts and I wore some awful clothes on the air. (laughs) And whether you want to talk about the appearance level on TV or not, you have to because it does make a difference. And so uh, whether I didn't like hearing it or not, you know, like uh, changing your appearance or changing your hairdo, I don't think that quite works on TV. I don't think that outfit is going to work on TV. Um, You start there. And, and you have to when it comes to TV. Uh, voice voice coaching, you know, um, the, the controlling sort of the big moments and that sort of thing and having someone look at your tape and say, I think you need to sound more conversational here. Um, I think you can get a little bit more excited there. So, so those are some of the things that just honest feedback that I got from people. And it's hard to find, um, not only just a support system. I mentioned my mom and my dad and, and they watch almost everything that I do and I appreciate that. But you also need to find people in the business, whether it's uh, another play-by-play, it's another analyst, it's another mm-hmm. reporter, who's going to be honest to you. Because uh, a lot of times it takes in this business to move up in the world, it takes one person to like you and it takes one person not to like you. And um, and so you just have to kind of work through that and and find your kind of your comfort zone and, and who you are and, and, and where your sweet spot is in terms of, of broadcasting and what your style is. And sometimes you don't get there 
for, for many, many years when you're in the business, but a way you can get there is to hear the hard stuff and is to hear the honest feedback. And I'm telling you, if you can find people in the business that will give you that kind of honest feedback, like don't ever let them go because mm-hmm. those, people yeah, no kidding. Hard, those people are hard to find, but they have your best interest in mind. Now, Lisa, I would and, ask you, uh, Shelly, uh, real quickly, when you said that about getting feedback like that with your hair, your clothes, that type of thing, and as you mentioned, again, you're hearing that about the tape and, and the guy saying, hey, I, I, you know, it's a news tape and, and you need to be a sports and, and do this. Eventually, at some point, as, as you just talked about, alluded to with su- the support network of fellow broadcasters or your parents, your family, at some point, you intrinsically have to get in and say to yourself as well, once again, deep down, okay, that's true, but I can do this, this, and this, but sometimes you've got to stick to your guns and know that something's right too and i mean that also comes from you being an athlete or your past of having to stick to your guns once in a while and that's not saying walk into a brick wall over and over again but there's got to be certain times you know and shelly kind of broached that with the self-doubt thing you've really got to be a confident person to be able to get all that quote-unquote feedback some call it criticism you've really got to have a a strong constitution self-constitution to say no this is what i'm going to do yeah, and that comes with being passionate with, with mm-hmm. what you're doing. If if you just really love what you're doing, you're willing to do almost anything for it. And, and you know, when I, I I just want to clarify when I'm talking about appearance. I mean, men go through that too. You I bet. don't want people listening to this and thinking, oh, that's that's a female thing. She's talking about appearance, and she's got to change her appearance to move on up. There's been several men in this industry too that have to be aware of that. If you're on TV, you have to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just a small part of of the role. And yeah, and so just hearing all that stuff, you if you if you're passionate about it. You don't mind um, getting getting worse before you get better. I mean, I think about, you know, if, if we all played sports, think about how we weren't good when we first started playing. Uh, but we were willing to make mistakes. We were willing to get coached. And we were willing to get better because of that. And, and so I kind of equate that process even to the professional world, like my athletic world. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good at playing all these different sports, but I had to get better. And the way I got better is I got coached. So you got to mm-hmm. find your coaches in your professional world like you did in the athletic world. Lisa, you, you touched on passionate, uh, being passionate, and that uh, you use the term that you're willing to do anything for it. And I think I want to transition into uh, back into the soccer, um, the FIFA World Cup. And with uh, great success comes great responsibility. And while it, it can be a, a good thing, you have a platform. The women's soccer team has a platform because they've commanded so much attention and respect with their success. You, as you become more and more successful and more and more well-known, have a platform that you can stand up for things that you believe in as well. And so one of the things, obviously, as everyone knows, the soccer team has stood up for is women's issues in terms of equal pay for for the product that they're putting on the field. And uh, they've been very vocal about that and very passionate about that. And it's finally bringing attention, I think, national attention, international attention to the issues that women face, not only as athletes and professional athletes, but I also think in in our world of the broadcasting world. And I'm just curious to know from your standpoint, where do you think we are? I'm going to start with the broadcast world first in terms of women and men and the equality or inequalities that you see. Uh, you know, when, when you can count on one hand, how many women are calling, we go back to calling college football, then I I think we have a lot of progress still to be made. Um, there's Mm -hmm. plenty of, of men crossing over and and calling women's sports. And and I'd like to see almost an equal number, close to an equal number of, of women eventually getting that opportunity. So in terms of that, you know, um, we have, we have major strides to make. I think you can equate it 
to athletics, you know, where yep. we are in, in, in almost any area, whether it's broadcasting, whether it's law, whether it's politics, mm-hmm. whether it's whatever, you know, we have a lot of ground still left to be made, but we have to earn that ground too. And we have to recognize the fact that in almost area, almost in every area that I've mentioned, whether it's politics, whether it's athletics, uh, your professional side, whatever, that, that men have gotten the head start um, versus the women. I mean, you think about the men's world cup that has been taking place every four years for the last 90 years. And when you compare it to the women's world cup, that's been taking place since in the last maybe 30 years when it started back in 1991, the NBA versus the WNBA. It's, it's, it's the same situation. It's 73 years for the NBA and about 22 years for the WNBA. Um, you know, so, so men have gotten a head start on a lot of different stuff, and, and it's no different than in broadcasting. Um, but you mentioned the soccer world, and, and I will say this. Um, I feel like that's one area that the women are not playing catch-up to the men, and I'm talking about the U.S. women and the U.S. Right. men. They've yeah. caught up and in many ways have lacked U.S. men. And and I would kind of hop along with what Muffet McGraw had said. She was a guest on one of our WNBA broadcasts, and she says, forget about equal pay. The women should get more than mm-hmm. the men's mm-hmm. soccer team. It's about product. It's about talent. If you can prove, which the women have, that there's equal interest in America and equal success to the men, and in this case, they are superior, then the American women are superior to the men, and, and they should be paid accordingly, in my opinion. Well, and you've seen that you, it just recently in Chicago with the the National Soccer League, the Women's Soccer League, and the the Red Stars had over seventeen thousand fans in the stands. Yeah, I mean it, that's it's, incredible. It's phenomenal, and and just in two thousand and fifteen, or actually two thousand and fourteen, I was actually broadcasting the Chicago Red Stars over in Benedictine University, which you know is a, is a smaller college over in Lyle, Illinois, and. Um, you know, the, the facilities are very limited. They only had one side of, of metal bleachers. And, and that's where some of the national team players were playing. And now they've advanced to a stadium where, you know, it was it was just small steps. And in 2015, that was really their first year where they um, advanced into playing in the stadium that they're at. And I just remember talking to the owner back in 2015, the Red Stars owner, um, Arnim Whistler. And he just had these ideas and these visions of sometime and one day selling out the stadium. And I'm thinking, man, that's a, it's a big stadium. But, you know, I'm with you on that. And and, and then four years later, we're talking about it. Seventeen thousand to watch a women's soccer game. It's it was it was awesome to see that. That would be. And you know, Shelley and I talked off the air, Lisa, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about you know the argument or the tired argument of well, men's sports outdraws this one and this one. And you said the key phrase in this case that and that argument is rendered moot because the women are superior in attendance, TV viewership, sponsorship, winning, as you mentioned. So I, I'm really glad you know that the, the way you put the the, the perfect words on that because uh, Shelly and I were talking off the air about that. And again, it's too much grit to quit. I'm Dave O'Hara, joined by Shelly Till. And our guest this week is Lisa Byington, uh, broadcaster extraordinaire, Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, ESPN, men's, women's basketball, as you just heard, uh, women's World Cup soccer, football, uh, soon to be cornhole or bags, cornhole or bags, depending. <laughs> hey, whatever will pay the Depending. And, and if I see, and if I but see you, you next, too? yeah, but, but if I see you next 4th of July at Nathan's calling a hot dog eating contest, I, but I, I've got to ask you uh, one last Last question from me, and then Shelly's got the doozy for you. So in the last uh, five, six minutes we got left here of this show, uh, this program this week with Elisa Byington, what one, what was your one favorite event 
or most outstanding, whatever you want to call it that sticks out in your mind that you called either as a sideline reporter, play-by-play analyst, whatever it is, and it may coincide with who your favorite team is. I don't know. I'm just curious, one, who your favorite team is and what sport and what event stands out that you just you can't get out of your mind that was the most awesome thing? Uh. Well, you know, this past year I actually got to sub in as a play-by-play for the Chicago Bulls, um, and and uh, Neil Funk, who's the yeah. regular play-by-play, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was taking twenty road games off, and and so there was there was a slew of us who kind of filled in, and I was um, thankful and grateful for the opportunity to to fill in for a game, but um, I I just love that experience because I grew up a huge Michael Jordan fan yep. when I was a kid, mm-hmm. even though I grew up in the state of Michigan, I love the Detroit Pistons, and um, but I was a huge Michael Jordan fan. I mean, my whole bedroom was was full of Michael Jordan posters, and to get the opportunity then for the, for that to come full circle and to actually work for that franchise was was pretty special but the one memory that i have is actually as a sideline reporter and i worked the ncaa tournament for cbs and turner and just i, I followed the loyola chicago story mm-hmm. yes i'm so yes. glad this is your answer yep. uh, <laughs> and so i'm um, just following that whole story and just living in chicago and just seeing how the city ignited over that story and and how big and how powerful the sister jean story yes. uh, got to be um i love like sister what, jean yeah, so it was it was right before it was a commercial break, uh, right before the start of the regional final, and and this is the game that Loyola won to get to the final four, and I'm standing on the court because I'm waiting because my my opening hit is about to come, and and I literally and I, it was the first time where I just felt so nervous, and and so I took a deep breath and I said you know like, uh, Shelley brought up the fact that one shining moment is my favorite song and it is and and I just remembered that and I remember how many years I'd watched the NCAA tournament on both the women's side and the men's side and I said you know this is this is one of the moments where where all this hard work where you wake up at 1 a.m. and and, you know you're walking Mm -hmm. out of of work at 1 a.m. in Lansing Michigan you're wondering if it's all worth it like this is when it becomes worth it and so I literally in the commercial break uh, forced myself to just look up and take in the whole stadium and take in the whole arena and I did like a complete 360 where I was standing and I just wanted to take in like just the whole environment before we went on the air and just appreciated that moment and and everything that had been built up to get to that moment very cool I love that. I love that. And you know me. I love, I've told you, I was like going crazy when I saw her over there with Sister Jean. I'm texting her going, oh my God, that's Sister Jean. Well, and I, and I had, in high school, I'd had, I, I lived in Overland Park, Kansas for a number of years. So Custer is from that area and, uh, via Iowa State and then Loyola. So like Shelly, I was glad to hear your answer. But Shelly, we don't have a drum roll either. So we can't play that song that we talked Stop. about earlier, Lisa. So here comes Shelly. All right, here you go, Shelly. Knock it out. No, Lisa, we, obviously the name of the, podcast is too much grit to quit and so uh, the whole purpose of this is to highlight stories and and overcoming adversities and and whatnot so when you hear the word grit who do you think of Ooh, gosh told you uh i think uh and and shelly knows that i I always go back to my parents but i I think it's this family like i i think of my my mom who who showed me what it's like to to work hard and and she gave up she was a teacher and she gave up teaching to to raise my sister and i and then in her 40s decided to go back and and that's hard to do uh she started back as a substitute teacher and then kind of worked her way back as a full-time teacher i think of my dad who was my high school coach who became a high school coach because the high school i was going to play at had never had a 
winning season ever. And so he wanted to try to give us a, a great basketball experience. So he became our high school coach. And lo and behold, he won championships there. We got to the, the state semifinals. He did things that that program has never done before. Wow. Um, I, I think of my sister who um, is smaller than me. And yet, like I said, she, uh, you know, she has still, she was an All-American and still has records at Hope College at the Division Three level. Um, and so it, it all, it always goes back to your roots, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think of, I think of grit and I, I think of seeds that are sown and I, I think of roots um, that eventually grow into, into flowers and the beautiful plants. And, and those are my roots, you know, and, and I think of myself and, and you have to think of uh, all the, the no's that I told you about and the risks that I've taken. Um, it's all worth it because um, that's, that's how you were raised. That's how you've been taught to move forward in the world. And, uh, and you just put your feet solidly on the ground and, and, uh, uh, and you take one step forward, your right foot, then your left foot, and you breathe in, you breathe out, you gulp and you go. Gulp and go. Words to live by, that's for sure. Lisa, great stuff. Shelly and I greatly appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule as we've uh, highlighted throughout both segments with you today. And I, I, I have to say to you what we've said to every guest, but in your case, for sure, because of the breadth and the wealth of all the events that you cover, we got to have you back at some point in time whenever you get another free 20 minutes to a half an hour. We'd love to have you back whenever it works in your schedule. Okay, well, and yeah, if you come up with another great 90s title to your podcast and radio show, I'm all in. Wow. Uh, we're going to make you sing it next time. So 90s, you know? Because we ran out of time to make you sing this time. Uh, Go back and do that. Or maybe we perfectly on my end. We can practice that on the sidelines this winter, and maybe we'll just put it out in social media, and that'll be good enough. Lisa, uh, you go. Lisa ever the pro, Shelly. She did that on purpose. She was the timekeeper today, and she She's had us good. run out of time, so we couldn't have her sing for her supper. So, Lisa, an extreme pleasure. And listeners, again, if you missed any part of this, uh, please go back again. Too much grit to quit. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you would, please subscribe, review, and rate us. Also, like us, share it with everybody else. Again, Lisa Byington with the Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, ESPN, uh, basketball, basketball, men's and women's, football. Uh, Again, we joked about uh, it better not be cornhole or the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, but could be. But also, uh, most recently, the Women's women's Cup uh, in uh, victory. She brought him back uh, from France. And so, Lisa, what a pleasure. Thank you so very much. Obviously, you and Shelly go way back. I just had the opportunity to meet you on the phone, and I was very happy to do it. Thank you so much. Well, it was a pleasure, and it was fun. And and thanks for having this and, and spreading the good word, guys. Thanks, Lisa. You're awesome. For Shelley Till, I'm Dave O'Hara and Lisa Byington. And too much grit to quit. That's all from us. Thanks to all of you. This is Too Much Grit to Quit. Sports personalities Shelley Till and Dave O'Hara bring you non-sugar-coated stories of the famous, not-so-famous, and everyday hometown heroes who have overcome adversity and incredible challenges to achieve success. Too Much Grit to Quit. Discover the key to unlock the chains that keep you from achieving your dreams. Please subscribe, like, share, and download today.